This program is for educational purposes. It fits within YouTube's guidelines under the context of science. Yeah, I mean, that can definitely depend on how it was made, like if it was made properly. Um, and then, you know, what kind of, again, like if they went with some of the super solvents or not. Um, you know, I find a lot of guys will experience a lot of like more pip from it if they didn't heat their product up high enough. Because that, that's another thing in the process is heating the product high enough to completely dissolve um, that powder into, you know, their solution. And uh, if, if you know, guys are finding that their product's falling out of solution often and, or crashing is what they call it, um, strong chance that that's going to be a product that causes a lot more pip. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm Scott McNally. Of course, I'm here with IFBB Pro Andrew Barry and IFBB Pro Nate Spear. Today, we're skipless, but we are joined by none other than Chase Irons. Guys, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings on high-quality third-party tested supplements. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. Uh, you can get great deals, in fact, blowout deals on top-name supplements. Uh, check them out. And uh, I think that's all I got. Oh, I got to tell you guys, too, we have a contest, a true nutrition contest we're going to start running. So I'll tell you guys a little bit about that later today. Oh, and Patreon. I wanted to give a shout out to everybody at Patreon. Um, I appreciate all your guys' support. So anyway, thank you for letting me get through my spiel, everybody. Uh, Chase, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I uh, I feel like I've almost been a part of it already where I'm just like in the chats always, you know. We love that. Say, too. Like trying to answer stuff and then not trying to answer stuff. And <laughs> yeah, so it's cool to be here. We love that too. Cause we've had people too. Like we're, you know, last episode, we we're like, we should, we should get chase on the show. And that's when we decided to make this happen. We had so many people that were like, Oh yeah, dude, get chase irons, get chase irons. So we got him. He's here guys. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's where, yeah, that's where and, you do uh, the sound thing, Scott, where you go to... Da, 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 yeah, the yeah we've, we've got sound around sound here effects. somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. There's sound yeah. Sound. yeah. That little horn thing that you do? <laughs> that's for skip only. <laughs> uh, so, guys, we're going to talk so about... So, I'm going to be like a listener right now and be like... So, honestly, um, and that's not to sound bad, but I don't know who Chase is. So, maybe there's some listeners out there that don't either. Thank you. That's you a great... That's a great, yeah, yeah. Uh, a great way to break into this. Uh, Chase, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, my name is actually Chase Irons. That's probably the number one question that I get is, is that your real You're name? You're fucking kidding me. I didn't um, think it was. I figured for sure. I was like, dude, that's such a good name for bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works. But yeah, so <laughs> that, uh, that's, that is my name. Uh, I've been on YouTube for about six years. Um, I've been training since I was 16, I got into it because my dad was a bodybuilder in the 80s. And uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of taught me how to lift. And from there, you know, I, I went to the University of Oklahoma for health and exercise science. I thought I was going to be a physical therapist and then realized I didn't like working with broken people and <laughs> decided to move to Chicago to train a guy. And uh, yeah, and then just ended up going to a gym and they asked me if I wanted a job. And the next thing you know, I'm a personal trainer 
And then I did that for 10 years. And two years ago, I left and I've been doing YouTube ever since. Hell so, yeah. Just only YouTube. So that's cool, man. That's awesome. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I spend most of my YouTube time now doing live streams, talking about uh, gear usage and all the crazy mistakes that I made when I was first starting out. Like I started, uh, you know, gear wise. Uh, when I was 23, I'm 35 now, and uh, I did a lot of a lot of stupid stuff in my 20s, and that's a lot of what my channel is about is just trying to prevent people from doing all that stupid stuff and just getting straight to making progress because, I mean, like it's taken me 12 years to get where I am, and like that's not good. <laughs> I think people. I, I hope to be able to get people where I am in like half that time. You know, with uh, the advice that I give. So. Oh yeah. Well, we're happy to have you here, man. And um, I appreciate all the feedback and all the uh, contributions you've had in the shows and the chats and all that stuff. Uh, it's been really cool to kind of have you already, like you mentioned, kind of being a part of the show already. Um, mm -hmm. we had some topics guys. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, we are going to get real taboo, talk a little bit about home brewing. I, I honestly can say, I don't think we've ever talked about home brewing on any of my programs, like here at think big advices, radio, bodybuilding nerds, radio before that, like none of it, we never have. So this will kind of be like a ground bank breaking uh, episode. Well, we, we did a little bit, um, with the me and skip busted episodes. Oh, did we? Because well, I mean that. I, oh, I was, we, yeah, that's how I was making it all. I was making okay. it myself. For we didn't get into, okay. I mean, we that, didn't get into like the details though of actually like okay. You're probably you know right. what is what is it what is gear you know what are what are the <coughs> the pieces how do you put them together yeah. kind of thing so we probably won't get yeah. too in depth in it but I'd like to kind of maybe look at a little bit of how that works if for no other reason I think that you know everybody who's in hardcore bodybuilding and is using gear it's important to kind of understand what it is we're taking and you know what the different chemicals can be that we're putting in our body. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We had some TRT stuff. We've got a bunch of listener questions. And if, if anybody on our live feed has any questions for Chase or for Nate or for Andrew or me, feel free to post them up. Uh, we're not going to tackle them right out the gate, but we are going to get to them. No question about it. Uh, so just to, to break into this, Chase, I mean... I can tell you, I'll tell you my story of home brewing. It, it began oh, yeah. and ended with Finiplex carts, cartridges, and that was it. Mm. I did it like three times, and I created a ton, like a metric fuck ton of trend for next to nothing for like 35 bucks or some, something like that. And it was amazing, and I ran it through coffee filters, and it was probably yeah, very questionable, but it was clean enough. <laughs> And it worked. Yep. I didn't get any abscesses, nothing like that. That's that's my experience. Obviously, I'm still alive. Yeah, I'm still here. I've seen a lot more than, than I've done. Uh, but yeah, man, where do we want to go with this? I mean, I guess I could say why I got into it and how I got into it. Um, I mean, I started doing it. Uh, it was about 10 years ago, and which is crazy because like I started gear like 12 years ago. And um, the thing was, was so I, so like one of the, one of the places that I got like cycle advice back then was the 
ridiculous like get big form and gh15 form and all that crap <laughs> so i was like okay i need to run these big cycles i can't afford all this gear how can i make this happen and then it was like okay well home brewing is pretty cheap um let's look deeper into this and yeah i mean that was that was the main reason was to do all that so that i could <laughs> attempt these bigger cycles and the other thing was um, I didn't trust a lot of the sources that I knew of back then. And I, I just didn't trust what they were making stuff out of and what the concentrations were and whatnot. And, and then the, the other thing was I wanted to make concentrations that were stupid, stupid high so that I would have to pin less, like yeah. doing like <laughs> dumb crap, like uh, a at 200 milligrams per milliliter or something like that. And, you know, it would just smell like chemical bacon and whatever. <laughs> like it was just, it was not, not good stuff, but I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the reasons why I got into it. And over time I've uh, learned how to do a lot of it in a very efficient, quick, easy way. And uh, that's, that's something that I talk a lot about uh, on my channel as well is, you know, going about doing that because that's a, I think that's something that a lot of guys that get into it they're like oh yeah I want to make you know 500 milligram per mil uh, testosterone or something like that and you know I, I have to talk them down and be like you know there's a reason that like pharmacy products aren't dosed that high you know or um, why you don't usually see a lot of underground labs making things that are you know, super potent. I mean, there are some that do, but it's just like, there's reasons why we shouldn't because, you know, I mean, when you are trying to get that powder to dissolve using guayacol and, you know, I mean, that's the main one that a lot of people use, but that and like ethyl oleate and things, I mean, there's a few others, but those are the main ones that people end up using like using those to dissolve stuff. I mean, just because you can get it to suspend does not mean that you should inject that shit. Um, yeah, what's why? the highest? Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the highest concentration you've made on a on I mean, testosterone the, or, or the wackiest yeah, I mean, the, any compound? What would you say? Like, like even if like you considered it a failure when you were like you know shooting it, you're like okay, never again. <laughs> um, I mean, I've made a 600 milligram per milliliter trend or not trend, uh, test. Um, but I, I, uh, I mean, it just, it just hurts so much. Oh, and God, it's yeah. just like the amount that the amount of, uh, inflammation you're going to get out of that, like your CRP is going to just go through the roof, like trying to use that kind of stuff. And a lot of people don't think too much about that, but it makes a big difference. Okay. So, what do you mean your CRP is going to go through the roof on that? Well, I mean, it's just like um, your CRP being like your inflammation levels. Um, a lot, yeah, like a lot of a lot of guys that get into it, they don't really think too much about that. Um, and you know, you, that's kind of I feel like one thing that you know, being health oriented while doing this endeavor, that's something that we really want to pay attention to is trying to keep your CRP as low as possible while using these different products um, because that's going to help you know your body function more optimally to be able to focus on more fat loss, you know, or building muscle. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're injecting products that are just causing inflammation, I mean, it's also going to cause, you know, 
plaque buildup. It's going to raise your blood pressure more. It's just there, there's just so many other things that come along with that that people don't think about. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> something that I went through for a long time trying to figure figure this stuff out, and you know, realizing. Plus the obvious, that, it's uh, like super hard to train, right? When your when your shoulders are like yeah, well, so yeah. inflamed from that I mean, one six hundred big shot, you're like you can't you can't do any shoulder press and you can't do any side laterals or any of that stuff. <laughs> for sure. Probably a good week. Yeah, or something, oh yeah, right? yeah. You, you do that shot in your glute and like you go to squat, you're probably gonna like pull your lower back because <laughs> your glutes so damn tight, you know? Yeah. So. So yeah. how hard is it for someone who's never home brewed or anything, hadn't even thought about it? How hard would it be just to put together, you know, a simple, let's say, testy at 250, something like that? I mean, it is very, very simple. I mean, the hardest part about it is just gathering the materials to do it all. But I mean, yeah, it's it's not hard to put something together in, you know, 30 minutes time. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty, pretty simple process uh, once you figure out how to do it. And I do recommend if you are going to go down this path i i do not recommend you open a lab i do not recommend that you try to sell it like don't do don't do anything like that it's a terrible terrible idea you will get caught eventually so um yeah and that said too i I get that a lot from that legal perspective at least like here in the u.s if if you were to get caught with you know, a few vials. That's one thing. You're going to get in trouble. If you get caught with the the ability to make stuff, you're probably manufacturing is always going to be a, you know a much harsher penalty. As as well, well, that's that's yeah, you, you're putting labels on something, it's like pretty indicative that you're trying to like market and sell it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's that, and then you know you want to make sure that you're like not buying enough where you might be able to say like well this is for myself for the year or something like that because if you're going and buying a hundred grams of test powder it's like it's going to be really hard to justify to anybody that that's not just for you you know so so my question was because i feel like a lot of people get into it because they want like a more pure stuff or like oh i know what i'm getting but how do you know the raws i guess are you know as as equal quality you know because how do we know the raws are not you know what I mean? Not, not as good. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, they, they get cut too sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I've had that happen where, um, it was, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what it was cut with, but it was like 50% something else. And, yeah. you know, you, when I made a, a product that was, uh, you know, supposed to be 200 milligrams per milliliter and it ended up only being 100 milligrams per milliliter, it was like, okay, that's not good. But yeah, I mean, the way that you would check that is, um, sending it in for HPLC testing uh, via genoshik.com uh, is a very easy way to go about doing that. Um, what's, so. the, what's the price on testing something like that? Um, I think it, it, it varies. I haven't done it in a long time. I don't know if they've changed prices uh, okay. on it. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I actually had somebody that did it just the other day, I probably I should ask them if they've, you know, 
yeah. what, what that cost him. I'd just be curious because I feel like if you wanted to be really careful and, you know, you're just yeah. getting into that, be something like, okay, if I'm going to do this right and I'm doing it for my health more so versus just trusting, you know, whatever UGL I go with, I'd almost feel like you'd have to figure that in as part of a part of the equation, I guess, until you get mm-hmm. a source that you're really comfortable with. But out the gate, I mean, what do you think about all the various, because man, I'll tell you what, I get emails almost every week. Hey, uh, our master on anethate powder is back in stock. Let us know your order. We will ship direct from China uh, within yeah. 24 hours, something like that. I yeah, know that it, it, yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I feel like a lot of it comes from the, like, I feel like there's like two or three manufacturers out there. It all comes from the same place. And then there's just like so many people trying to sell the same stuff. So, um, and then just whether or not that person is cutting it or not is kind of, uh, what it comes down to. But I mean, yeah, that ultimately like what you have to do is end up biting the bullet and trying it and seeing, which is, I mean, kind of what we do. And a lot of things in this industry is, you don't know until you try. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a couple, um, sources that I've been working with for the past seven years that have been solid for me. So, and how, um, yeah, at first it was a lot of trial and error. How often do you get people messaging you on your live stream to be like, Hey, what's that source? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. So on YouTube I can put, um, as soon as somebody clicks on the chat box, yeah. immediately I have a message that pops up that says, no source talk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then they're like, oh. <laughs> so it doesn't happen very often anymore. <laughs> but some some people will ignore it and just be like. Desperate. How good is <laughs> and It's like, okay. <laughs> so. All right. So if we if we break this down, you do everything yourself. You're going to need, obviously, the raw hormone powder. You're going to need what a carrier oil and you're going to need solvents. You're going to need something to sterilize it. What can, can you break it down for us on what those components would be with your experience now, having done this for so long? What would be the the, the options you would go with? I mean, typically, yeah. I mean, the main things that I go with are um, a USP grade MCT oil for the carrier. Um, it's just I like MCT oil because it's uh, non-inflammatory. It's uh, it's going to absorb pretty easily. Um, it's going to go through you know any gauge of needle that you want very easily. Um, yeah, and like. I think one thing that you guys were, you were talking to Steve about last week was, you know, whether or not it'll dissolve the rubber on the inside of a syringe. It doesn't do that as well. So it's, uh, that would be the carry oil that, I mean, I've been using that for a long time and I've had good experience with that. Um, so there's that. And then you would need, you know, a, uh, BB, which is uh, benzyl benzoate, that's going to be your solvent that's going to help dissolve the powder. And I mean, that is uh, pretty much our, the main solvent that I use. I, I try to stay away from anything else, really. And then, you know, the amount that you use of that into your product is going to depend on what kind of concentration you're trying to make. Um, and, and sometimes you can 
go without it. You know, if you're making like a really low, like if you were going to try to make something, say for like a woman, like, you know, I, I don't know if you wanted to make like 50 milligram per milliliter testosterone, you know, um, you wouldn't need any BB for that. It could completely dissolve in just the oil hmm. on its own. And then you add a little bit of uh, benzyl alcohol to keep it from growing any bacteria. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those three things and then your filter of choice, which, you know, you want to get like a, a 0.2 or 0.22 micron filter. Um, those are it's funny. A lot of times, like when those are sold out, guys will buy the 0.45 micron filter thinking that it's the same thing. And it's like, no, that means it doesn't. Uh, filter out as much stuff, you know, yeah. and uh, that that can be, uh, you know, what could cause a lot more pip in your product or possibly an infection if you go that route. But so yeah, you've got your carry oil, the BB, the BA, the filter, and uh, yeah, your raw powder, and that's that's pretty much what I I try to keep it down to. I'll have the rare person that is just, you know. Uh, like will wants no matter what you like just won't give up on the you know 200 milligram per milliliter trend and it's like okay well if you're gonna do it anyway i'll tell you like you're gonna need at least some guayacol in there i do not recommend using it because that stuff is super toxic and the moment that you smell it you will understand how toxic it is because it will make your entire house just smell i think it smells like really weird bacon for whatever reason but um it'll make your entire house stink and when you inject it you'll probably smell a little bit like it too so um but yeah that's pretty much the gist of of all of it oh yeah good i had a question so for instance so before i've used like test probe and primo and it's really like burned or had a pip, you know what I mean? And then recently I found someone where there's no pip issues where a lot of people complain like Primo test probe. There's usually a lot of pip. So how would that uh, differentiate someone that's making it where there is pip and then someone that's like smooth, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that can definitely depend on how it was made, like if it was made properly. Um, And then, you know, what kind of, again, like if they went with some of the super solvents or not, um, you know, I find a lot of guys will experience a lot of like more pip from it if they didn't heat their product up high enough. Cause that, that's another thing in the process is heating the product high enough to completely dissolve, um, that powder into, you know, their solution. And, uh, if, if, you know, guys are finding that their products falling out of solution often and, or crashing is what they call it. Um, strong chance that mm-hmm. that's going to be a product that causes a lot more pip. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like a lot of it has to do with that. Some of it has to do with how much alcohol is put in the product. Um, you know, and then uh, the other thing would be how it was filtered. Like if it was used with a, a proper filter and um, how sterile was the environment that everything was made in. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that can yeah. affect the pip of a product for sure. So. But that, that's why I like, you know, that that's the number one difference I feel between homebrew and your own stuff, 
versus an underground lab versus getting pharmacy stuff is like, you know, that the pharmacy stuff is going to be in a completely sterile environment and, you know, made in the safest way possible. Um, but even some of those products are going to have a little bit of pip here and there. So, oh yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I remember my first shot was a pharm- pharmacy grade sustenant amp. And I, I literally felt like I got hit in the leg with a bat, like for the next five yeah. days. I remember not being able to sit down after that shot. Do you guys remember Porter did a video back when he was doing his TRT experiments like five or six years ago? And he took pharmacy, I think it was Watson, like, uh, I think he was doing like 125 MIGs a week. And he tested it versus some underground stuff. And the Watson stuff was like way underdose. I think it was supposed to be 100 milligrams per. You're kidding. And I think it came out, came out to like 79. Whereas he tested like... Hmm. Joe Blow, you know, underground lab stuff that he got from one of his clients yeah. and it tested at like 112 per uh, milligrams per ml. Just okay. thought that was interesting to point out. Because yeah, I think I everyone thinks like that. the farm. Yeah, I think everyone always thinks the farm grade stuff is like that much better. And it probably is because it typically is going to be made in a more sterile environment. But I do remember seeing a 60 Minutes episode about the pharmaceutical industry in general and about how like, like, a blood pressure medication made it into like a Zoloft pill or um, oh God, like they just like, yeah, they just didn't have like the quality control that we would associate with a big company like Pfizer or Merck or something like that, that we just would expect that they automatically, you know, cause they run, they use the machines to run several different drugs in different batches after clean yeah. and the same way, like, you know, like Dante makes a lot of the protein powders or some of the other supplement blends um, using a lot of the same machinery. I just wanted to point out that there was sometimes discrepancies and whatnot between, um, pharmaceutical companies even hmm oh shit that's scary <laughs> yeah, yeah it is <laughs> so you know let, let's take uh somebody who's just shopping around looking for a good ugl product um obviously you know you can ask your source you know what's in this but it doesn't always necessarily mean that they're going to give you the whole story um you mentioned some of the solvents that maybe are a little bit more toxic like like glycol or uh eo how can somebody know if they've got a vial in their hand that has one of these solvents? Is there a way to, to get a better idea of what might be in that vial as far as stuff like that goes? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing, uh, the thing about glycol is it, it smells, it smells so bad. Like okay. if yeah. like literally like just, you, you'll know if there's stuff, if there's that in it. Um, yeah. I mean, you could easily just like draw a little bit out and squirt it squirt it on your finger and you'll probably smell it quite easily and then i mean the other thing would be um taking it and then seeing if you can wipe the ink off of your syringe if it'll take the ink off of your syringe that's not a good thing <laughs> so um yeah that that shouldn't happen it shouldn't be like windex you know Remove um, that, that's a pretty good indicator however however mct oil can do that mm. but mct oil doesn't raise uh inflammation the same way as those other ones so that's one thing that's a little interesting and, and might throw you off a little bit but like the smell number one you, you can't get around that when it comes to guayacol like that stuff stinks so bad it's 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 intense so i'll throw up this listener question we had here from danny 
he says, uh, is it true that you need to use harsh solvents in order to get oil-based D-ball and Winnie into solution? I want to try injectable Winnie because one of my buds saw dramatic physique changes when he used it. And he recommended oil-based because the water-based causes infections. Uh, granted, he was already lean, but when he implemented it, he saw a harder, greenier, full texture. So obviously he's getting the Winstrel effect. I think you can get that from an oral, but that's not what he's asking. Um, so yeah, is it necessary to use solvents like this for, for things like uh, D-Ball or Winstrel? Yeah, so that's that's the reason why I don't recommend that people make injectable orals because yeah, you got to use that stuff to get it to the, to suspend in the into the uh, into the oil, and it's just yeah, that that's you're just you're better off in my opinion just just taking it orally. You know, I mean, your liver can handle that. You know, it's, does uh, does test no ester fall into that category too? Yes, um, I've made that before, and yeah, I, I had to use a lot of a lot of solvent to to get it to hold and even then it did crash a little bit like i i i didn't even inject it i was so scared of it. i was like this isn't even worth it like i'm just gonna up my test dose instead like this is gross so but yeah yeah i mean things things like that like injectable i, I mean god i so many guys want to make injectable d-ball or injectable anadrol or whatever and i'm just or shit even like injectable sarms or something like that i'm just like guys it's not it's not worth it like these these were made you know orally because they work just fine orally you know um so yeah i i advise against it because yeah you got to use that stuff to make it work and killing my hopes and dreams yeah. i love injectable d-ball that's one of my favorites <laughs> <laughs> sorry what were you saying Nate? i got a i got a bro question so like you know when you're starting out and you're like oh man this trend is like so much darker it must be stronger or like oh, this trend is like so much lighter color like what's the difference there is it is there a different potency or is that just bullshit probably <laughs> so i've uh i've heard different things on this subject and i've heard people say that the claim is that when it's really dark and rusty looking that it means it's been heated too high and it's oxidized and it's not as good of a product that's what i however heard. However, I have Trend Trend Ace is actually one of those products that you can make without heat. Hmm. And when it's made without heat, the times that I have done it, like it's much faster to make it with heat. But the times that I've done it without were the darkest, most rustic looking ones that I ever made. And they were they were great. I mean, they yeah, they worked as advertised, you know. Um, so I don't I I at after doing that, I was like, okay, well, that doesn't really make sense. So I, I feel like it just has more to do with just like the, the powder. Cause when the powder show up, I mean, some of them are just look more gold than other ones. So I, I really don't, I really don't know. I mean, it, it seems, uh, I, what I do know is that if it's not very golden, then it's probably cut with something mm. <laughs> because I get guys where they're like, my trend is, it's not yellow at all. And I'm like, well, that's not good. Like it, it should definitely be a little yellow or gold or something. But, um, but yeah, as far as like the darkness of it goes, I, it's, I don't feel that, uh, I don't feel that it's, it's broken or, or more, uh, more potent or anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, but I don't, I don't really have a great answer for that considering I've done it both ways and, 
it's always different yeah. every single time. Another one that's like sort of similar too is like the oil thickness. Like, does that matter? Like when, you know, when sometimes you get a bottle, it's like the oil's a little thicker and then sometimes you get one that's a little thinner. Does that matter? Or what does that tell you? You mean from the same um, lab? I mean, every, Oh, from the same lab? Is that, is that what you mean, Nate? Like, well, it's usually, usually, different, oh, okay. usually different lab, but you know, sometimes you get like a bottle of test, the yeah. oil is a little thicker to draw and then sometimes you get yeah, a bottle I mean, of test and it's a little bit thinner. I, I would say that probably has to do with what the carrier oil is um, because, yeah, you know, the, the every carrier oil, oil is going to have a different kind of consistency. I mean, like I said, like that's why I use MCT oil because it's it's so thin. It's it's very similar to like ethyl oleate or is like ethyl oleate is kind of like water. Like that's a reason why a lot of people use it. Um, but, you know, the, the difference between I mean, because you can you can you can suspend gear and any oil that you want like any oil you can find at the grocery store you can you can make it out of olive oil if you want um but yeah i feel like the consistency of it definitely depends on uh, that more so than anything i mean like castor oil for example is extremely thick um and uh yeah that that's one that we don't use very often because it's it is kind of a pain in the ass to use so um but yeah what would you say is like out of all the standard compounds that we use in bodybuilding without getting super exotic, what are the harder uh, drugs to suspend versus the easier ones? I feel like it depends a lot on the ester attached to it more, oh. more than anything. The okay. longer the ester, the easier it is to, to suspend like um, equipoise shows up in liquid form, so which sure. it throws a lot of, it throws a lot of my guys off. They're like, uh, it's already made. And I'm like, no, you still need to, you still need to mix it with some stuff. Um, because yeah, that, and depending on the, the time of year, like if it shows, if you're ordering stuff in the summertime and it's hot out, um, things with longer esters mm -hmm. can show up kind of in a gel like consistency, like, um, test E can, can show up kind of waxy looking, but mm. Um, but yeah, usually the longer the ester, the easier it is to suspend, uh, cause it just has a much lower melting point. Like that's a, that's a huge part of it is they all have a certain temperature, which they turn to liquid at. So, you know, test pro, trend ace, mast pro, you know, once you get into the faster esters, those things, it's not that it's like harder. It's just, you can't. You can't make it as long as you're making it at the proper dosage, at the proper um, concentration, then it's as easy as any of the other ones. The problem comes down when people are trying to, again, make things like Trenace at 200 milligrams per milliliter or Test Probe at 200 milligrams per milliliter like that. That causes problems. But, um, you know, if you're making it the way that most underground labs make it, where it's like 75 to 100, for any propionate or acetate product like it's it's not it's no more difficult than doing any nanthate or cypionate product at you know 250 or even 300 so okay fair enough yeah um billy ryan had mentioned the most time consuming part is filtering now i i i kind of you know what i half lied when i said we didn't have anything on uh home brewing before i actually did a full interview with a ugl source once and after we were done uh we decided like let's not put this out <laughs> let's not put this out 
it just wasn't going to be good for him or for me or for anything. So we thought, let's just not put that out. But he had said that um, he said that that filtering is the part that I'll I'll put it this way. He didn't want to get super specific on his filtering technique. I know that when I made trend, it is a pain in the butt. You're sitting there with that 0.22 micron filter and you're just my hands were getting so cramped. Is there a better way? He didn't want to explain his way because he said, I think it had to do with a fish pump or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, yes. there has to be something better, Chase. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so bottle top filters uh, make it very, very, very easy. And, and where you hook a like a vacuum pump, like a, a cheap uh, like brake bleeder mm. pump, vacuum pump. Connect that to a bottle top filter that screws onto, you know, a, a a bottle, and then you know you throw your solution in top of that, and you pump the brake bleeder, and it pulls it through for you. So um, there are other methods that are like somebody somebody would go those routes if they were doing you know more lab wise, but that that's as far as you know I think any of uh, any any self use people would need because yeah the, the syringe filters are a bitch like I I tried that one time and I was like I'm I'm not doing this again like this I still is have awful. nightmares and, I'd never do it again yeah. just because that yeah 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 but yeah no the I, bottle top I still have the calluses is, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was what you <laughs> the were doing bottle top method is is very easy and uh, the the hardest part about the bottle top filter is finding finding good ones because there's so many out there that I've used that broke in the middle of the whole process. Yeah. And uh, that that can ruin your whole product. Um, then you got to wait another like two months to do another one if you used all your stuff. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that that's a big part of it is being able to find the, the, the right ones. I mean, I have a few that I, uh, I recommend to my guys uh, that are, that I've been, that I've used, you know, for a while and they, they've always worked out very well for me. So nice. You guys got any other questions before we moved on, talk about some other stuff, anything you wanted to bring up with this topic? Yeah. So I, I have a random one. question. Um, me. Yeah, me. Uh, I was just going to uh, make it quick. So, go, go for it. So what oil does the pharmaceutical companies use? Do you know? Um, so, like Bayer likes to use castor oil. Um, okay. That's that's kind of their their go to. Um, but yeah, then it it, it really does uh, change up a lot. Um, I believe like a lot of pharmacies in Thailand are using are actually going with like ethyl oleate uh, foolishly, but um, I think it has more to do with the fact that they are shipping you know more worldwide and and trying to keep their products suspended i think that's kind of part of the issue is that they're not really thinking about that so much um because like if they yeah. if they ship it somewhere cold and the product crashes and the individual's like well this is shit um yeah but yeah as far as i know like bayer is is you know one that a lot of us use for their test and their primo and that's castor oil um, I know that the testosterone is, um, but yeah, a lot of them will typically go with, uh, like grapeseed oil. 
usually is is uh, the main one outside of that, that they would use. So, right. <clears throat> yeah. I had a question about, um, so like, you know, every now and then you get the client who like, you know, you know, they're using the same labs as most of your other clients, you know, cause you've recommended them and no matter what product they use, whether it's test E, test C, test P, whatever, they just not up like crazy every time. So I guess my question is, do you think there's a body type or a skin type that just reacts to all of this stuff? Yeah, I, I tend to think that there might be more of a user error going on with their injection because I don't know. It seems I feel like a lot of a lot of people, the hardest part for people doing this stuff is the injection part. And so many people want to use insulin needles and not be able to get like deep enough into the into the muscle and it leaks out sub Q and then they get this big, you know, depending on how much they injected, they get like a big lump or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think for those individuals, I don't I don't know, like maybe there would be, you know, a, a, a person that just re- responds poorly like that to everything, but I don't know. I feel like it would be more of just like a user error on the injection and be like, like well, the only reason I think it's the only reason I think it's not user error, at least I can think of one case is because I may or may not have actually been the person injecting it. And for them, into them, just because I, because I, that thought crossed my mind. Like, dude, are you literally like pulling it out halfway through the injection process, so you're getting half of it in your fascia, you know? Or yeah. are you using like, you know, quarter inch needles, and, and it, you're literally just yeah. putting it into the sub two space, and it's just irritating the shit out of the lining? Whereas not like we yeah. use like I, I went over and it's a one and a half gate uh, inch, you know, you know, twenty three gauge. Like we're not trying insulin needles yeah. or something, and several different types of, or at least showed them how to do it properly. So maybe mm-hmm. they were doing it differently, but it's interesting, but I at least showed them how to do it properly. And then no matter what product we use, like it actually turned them off from using completely because of that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I, if I was getting that response, no matter what I did, yeah, that would, that would really, that would really be off putting for sure. Yeah. 